It's hard not to be romantic about podcasting. Moneyball, coming up next. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today that is Tommy. Tommy, yeah. you've never seen Moneyball before. Not surprising at all, uh, <laughs> given your love for the game of baseball. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Half this movie, I was like, "What? What are they talking about? Was hitting a ball? What?" <laughs> yeah, but but we're not joined alone here. We also have upstairs Steve, several time guest what? of the podcast, and Mike Beck joining us. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Good to be back, boys. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course, a little inside baseball here. My audio is having issues, so they've just been patiently waiting for me to uh, get my audio working somehow. We got it working, but I appreciate their their patience here. Yeah, uh, I think it's important to note that we're all kind of uh, flying off the seat of our pants here. <laughs> I'm currently driving to Boston. Um, you know, this was uh, one of those things where we've had to schedule and reschedule this podcast like at least like three times. And uh, it was even to the point where I had suggested, you know what, like, can we at least, can we do like next Thursday? And then it's just like, no, let's just do it tomorrow. Fuck it. And I'm yeah. like, fine, we're doing it tomorrow. That's like, I don't know how I'm going to see this movie because um, I'm actually um, kind of stealing uh, Tommy's friend Will's HBO account. Or I guess. It would <laughs> thank be you for brother. thank you for broadcasting it. <laughs> thank you for broadcasting right, well, it. It's, yeah. it's, it's all right. It's his brother. It's all right. He knows. He knows. It. Yeah. Listen. Yeah, at the end of the day, we're locked out, so I had to <laughs> kind of fly off the seat of my pants to see this movie anyway, you know? So I'm up in, like, rural New Hampshire, and we passed this video store, and me and my friend walk in. We're like, please, do you have money, Paul? And uh, we got on DVD for, like, five bucks, and we ended up watching it yesterday because <laughs> I hadn't seen it either, believe it or not, yeah, which is really? actually the weirder thing. Yeah, no, this is my first time seeing Moneyball, and um, I'm a big baseball fan, so. It's a little shock. Did you watch the streaming it. version or the DVD version? I watched the DVD version. You you, you act like it would go. be so hard to rent a movie on YouTube or Amazon. <laughs> you could have easily gone through that instead of this whole hoop of yeah, but, New Hampshire. <laughs> well, you, you better well no, but you know what it, you know what it is, is that like my friend Blake, who was actually on the podcast with us for Goodwill Hunting, um, he has this thing where he likes to own tangible items. So Yeah, I feel that we found the movie and here I sit thinking that I'm going to buy it and take it home with me. And he's like, no, this is mine. I want it. And I'm like, okay, Blake, you can buy it. It's yours. The so, DVD copy of Moneyball. Yeah. You can have, uh, I don't know if you know your friend Tommy, Steve, uh, but he also likes to collect physical media. So you can see right behind me, yeah. that bookshelf is just DVDs practically. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Mike, so they, it, had you ever oh, seen uh, Moneyball before? You know, I'd seen it a couple times over the last couple of years. Uh, the, the funny thing is, though, I hadn't seen this movie like or when it came out. It came out like 2011, I want to say. Yeah. And it took me about a decade to watch it. It was it was one of those movies. I think you see a lot of clips of it on YouTube and stuff like that. So I had only just come around to seeing it about two years ago. And through my job, I started doing all these 
you know, I'm not like a baseball fan, but through my job, I started doing these baseball related projects. So for whatever reason, I decided to watch it and um, just just really impressed with it. But this is really only a couple of years ago. I was the first time I saw it. All right. Yeah, I, I I definitely didn't see it when it came out. I think I saw it for the first time, like when it hit Netflix in like 2014 or whatever it was. Um, and it's one of those movies that's almost an annual rewatch for me. If it's ever on a streamer that I'm currently on, it's one of those. I haven't watched Moneyball in a while. Hey, wh- why not throw it on? It's it's like a it's a rainy summer day. It's baseball season. Let's let's throw it on. There, there's one thing I'll say about the movie. It works great as a rainy day movie. Like the score is so melancholic and everything like that. It just like really hits you in that way. I watched this on a rainy day. Uh, yeah, I, I woke up at eight in the morning before we started recording just to watch this movie because that's how dedicated I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to set an alarm and be like, oh, I guess I gotta go watch go watch Moneyball right now. <laughs> that's how much we care about this podcast. <laughs> so, um, but I, the fact that it's rainy right now, I was like, this really hits. I've seen parts and bits and pieces of this before, but like, it seems like almost all this movie takes place on like a cloudy day, like overcast forever. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. that, that kind of summarizes the Oakland A's in perpetuity. <laughs> uh, we'll dive more into that later. Um, so, gentlemen, the way we like to kick things off is. What's a movie you've seen, you've gone and seen recently? Uh, you know, not Moneyball, any, anything else? Uh, Tommy, <laughs> you know, I'm going to kick it off to you. You, you, okay. you the example. You're my star student. Come on. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I'm the star pupil right here. I'm the one that gets on base, uh, I don't know, like 50% of the time. Is that good? Um, Tommy, if you go on base 50% of the time, you're Barry Bonds, and that's it. So. <laughs> pretty good <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah right there you see i know my stats uh so when we were originally about to record this last week i was going to do a brad pitt double feature so i decided to watch seven um which i haven't seen in oh, forever uh dave fincher's cl- uh like cl- modern classic right there and just like what's in the box i'm still not sure <laughs> um but overall brad pitt's like uh seven just like great performance right there it's good to see like young Brit and how much more twitchy and like nervy he was compared to you know watching bunny ball was kind of a little less twitchy a little like more i guess restrained in some ways but uh overall just amazing kevin spacey great a spoiler that he's in the movie but morgan freeman also just great seeing our detective movie. we're gonna be coming saw soon and timmy you'll see saw is like a seven ripoff in some ways but Great classic. <laughs> Seven of us. Both of them. Yeah. Um, you still don't know what's in the box, Tom? No, I know it's in the yeah, box. Tom, I, mean, I, 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 <laughs> I don't know with, I don't know with you. I, you've played that so straight. I, <laughs> yeah, you really did sound serious. I've seen this movie a bunch of times. I still don't know what's in the box. Well, I mean, I don't know how many times you got to pay attention to this movie, Tom. But it's pretty <laughs> obvious what's in the box. <laughs> yeah, what's in the box is pretty obvious. Uh, I, I guess we'll, probably, yeah. we'll spoil it at this point. Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Uh, but they don't show it, which is always shocking. But, um, you know, you know yeah. overall, love that movie and just great also great radio apparently <laughs> all right steve well, what's the movie you've seen seen recently you know um i saw lord of war for the first time have you guys seen that at all is that the nicholas cage one that's the nicholas cage one with uh jared leto and uh he's a gun runner and it's it's based off of actual events i, I looked into it turns out like the character that he plays was like an actual person that like kind of fed like funded guns for like you know African Asian and like you know Russian like trade to like fuel wars whether they be like you know 
internal or external wars, and uh, it, it was a very, very good movie. I, I, like, I was kind of walking into it expecting it to be like, you know, just a more of a silly movie, but I mean, it was absolutely quality. It had all the elements of Nicholas Cage, which did, which also helped. So he's always great. Really spoiled too much from there. Yeah, I, I still haven't seen it, but if I've you guys haven't things. seen it, I won't. I won't spoil. Yeah, you, should, you you guys should do that one on the pod. It's a good one. So this is a, 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 a in terms of cage scale, is this a manic cage or just like restraint cage? Um, definitely not manic cage. This is like you know straight to business cage. But um, you know you have uh, manic Jared Leto, and uh, Jared Leto's his little brother in this movie. So he's um, you know kind of acting as sort of a guide for him. Whereas, like, he's, like, the successful older brother in the family. And he's, like, you know, the brother's kind of riding on his coattails. But he keeps getting himself caught up in drugs and, uh, you know, women of the night, whatever have you. Uh, that's preventing him from doing that. So, um, you know, you'll, like I said, you'll have to dive in to find out more. But uh, it's a really good movie, nonetheless. And it's uh, based off of actual events. So, Before, we'll keep it on the... Uh on the docket mike what about you any movie you've seen recently so one movie i saw recently was uh the last voyage of the demeter i was traveling for work and so i was like i'll see this movie it's in the theaters like why not it because it looked interesting um not something i'd necessarily recommend it was it was kind (laughs) of like dracula meets alien was the theme for um that they were going for it's got yeah. Liam Cunningham in it, who was from uh, Game of Thrones, who who oh, I thought yeah. did a pretty good job as like the captain of the ship. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it was it was somewhat um, it was kind of somewhat forgettable in that sense. It, it had a lot of potential. That yeah. combination would be kind of cool of Dracula and Alien and everything like that. But uh, it was just kind of a I don't know, pulpy summer film, if you will. I was yeah. the only one in the theater. <laughs> that that kind of tracks because that was really bombed at the box office. Uh, it was yeah, like the Dracula. Yeah, I I was the only... yeah. <laughs> you're the only one that bought tickets to it, apparently. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's a Mike Beck supported podcast. That's it specifically. <laughs> Our movie. I mean, Mike Beck exclusively <laughs> supports. <laughs> no, you know what it gets? Seven dollars in ticket sales. <laughs> me, me and Mike have been friends for quite a while. We've actually invented something called the Mike Beck Seal of Approval. I, I would say that this uh, does or does not, not get, get the it. Mike Beck Seal of Approval. Did not did not make the cut. Did not okay. did not make it. Did not make the cut. <laughs> it sounded like a cool concept, but yeah, apparently it was just like a bore from what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was like thirty minutes too long, at least. Oh, was, that's the worst. Yeah. That's the worst yeah. when you're looking at your down at your watch at a movie. That's even worse when it's a 90-minute movie, too, and you're looking down at your watch, like, how long is this dang thing? And you're like, it's only been an hour? My God. Um, yeah. But I... Yeah, I think it was almost two hours. I had no business being that long. Oh, boy. That's brutal. Um, one of the movies I saw recently, I went back into the theaters for an exclusive re-release window of The Dark Knight. They re-released Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises. I chose the Dark Knight to go see because that's my favorite of the trilogy easily. And oh boy, that movie movie (laughs) still slaps so goddamn hard. That movie's so good. It's such a good movie. Yeah, it's still its best. I think like four times, I think, when it came out. Yeah, I I remember 
it's one of those pivotal like movie like in theater experiences for me as a kid like i was like 14 15 when it came out and they like i couldn't get tickets for three weeks and i was sitting like four rows from the front like three weeks into its release because that's how just gigantic the dark knight was and like just having chills and i was like oh my god they can make like an action movie like interesting and good and have like all these and have like all these morals come together because i still have the same feeling i had leaving that theater today than i did when i was like 15 is that like the movie kind of just comes together in the last 20 minutes and like all those through lines like harvey dent and the joker and the mob like comes together and the joker just reducing harvey dent to nothing and undoing all the work that had been done in the movie and I, I just, I liked that, 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 the way that that came in. And I mean, Heath Ledger's Joker is like arguably the most iconic performance of the 21st century. Oh, yeah, yeah easily. He definitely, he definitely the, the best Joker. Definitely yeah. the best Joker. <laughs> you're not, you're not fan of Jared Leto. <laughs> Let me tell you something. J- Jared Leto's Joker was being a little bit of a tryhard. Joaquin yeah, Phoenix, exactly. though. I love that Joker. What do you guys think? What do you guys think of the new one? You you, you happy with the fact that it's going to be a musical? Uh, yes, no. It'll, you think it it'll be work? interesting? I mean, I'm glad they're not just riffing on fucking Scorsese again in Joker too. But uh, we'll we'll see how it ends up. But like Lady Gaga, I think could be good casting for Harley Quinn. But I mean, like Heath Ledger all day. I mean, Jack Nicholson is good, but he's just played himself in that movie essentially. <laughs> It's like, oh, yeah. Jack, well, it's like, what if Jack Nicholson was the Joker? That's all it is. It's not an actual performance. It's just like, I mean, it's Jack a great, Nicholson would be like, it's a great, it's great, it's great. But yeah, it's not like he's not there's gonna be some old character. heads. There's gonna be some old heads that you met at that take, Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. When uh, were friends got text us? <laughs> because I still even remember. Hey, man. You know, I... if Jack Nicholson wasn't Joker, Heath Ledger would have been inspired, man. <laughs> then that would have been it for you. Yeah. <laughs> Cancel yeah, <laughs> Show some respect to your elders. Uh, speaking yeah. of showing respect to your elders, that's a big theme of baseball in, in and of itself, of respecting the past and the heritage of the game. What and, a fucking transition yeah. that was. And this? <laughs> yeah. You really reached into your back pocket there, didn't you, Timmy? <laughs> this is Moneyball. I need more money. We're a small market team find players with the money that we do have. There's a championship team that we could afford because everyone else undervalues them, like an island of misfit toys. We're going to shake things up. You don't put a team together with a computer. Billy Bean has tried to reinvent a system that's been working for years. I say it's just getting started. What is happening in Oakland? It defies everything we know about baseball. Just plain crazy. All right. So Moneyball, Mike, I, I didn't get from you. So you, you no wait, you had seen this movie, I did ask. Um, so for Tommy and Steve, your first time seeing this, and Steve, I'm more interested in I'm interested in both of your perspectives. No, 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 because Steve's a baseball fan. Tommy is like a blank slate. It's like if it's not Mario <laughs> baseball, he doesn't know it. Yeah. So Steve, with you first as a baseball fan, how did this movie land for you? I I think that it landed really well. Like I, I actually thought that I would hate it more because a lot of like I'm a Yankee fan, so a lot of people were saying to me like, uh, "You really got to take it with a grain of salt because like you know they really aspire to be like what like the Red Sox would are going to be in 2003, and they're kind of using 
like, you know, uh, George Steinbrenner's tactics on, like, you know, playing the game and, like, acquiring as many, like, good players for the most amount of money as possible. And they really kind of shit on the Yankees sort of business model in that regard. And I'm, like, watching it, and I'm like, no, I, I think it's a really good story. I think that it shows you that you don't really need to have that in order to, like, create this amazing baseball team and being a Yankee fan there have been countless times where I've been looking at the contracts that the Yankees have been putting through like look at fucking A-Rod like how much money we put into that fucking guy and how much did we really fucking get out of him you know you got a lot out of him you got a lot out of him we did get a lot out of him but I mean like that was the highest contract in fucking baseball he was one fucking player at the end of the day, you know what I mean? And, like, I think it was remarkable just the way that they played the, uh, you know, the whole game at the and, like, the team did. I mean, as far as I was concerned, I didn't really know that that happened back in 2002. I was busy kind of crying over uh, not winning the World Series against uh, the Diamondbacks the prior. Oh, poor Poor little Yankee fan just coming off four hey. World Series in five years. I, we didn't you're you're, you're talking it. to Timmy, the guy who's like, what's a championship? <laughs> I've never seen one. So, I mean, you're like a Jet fan. I really don't want to hear it. I, I, I'm barely a Jets fan, let's be honest. <laughs> exactly. So, Tommy, as somebody who despises the sport of baseball, what did you yeah. think of this movie? So, um, as a baseball illiterate person, um, I didn't understand the stats, but I think overall, like the overall emotion of this film still really hit. I think their performance just carried over. Uh, there apparently was a version of this movie that was going to be made of Steven Soderbergh directing and Dimitri Martin playing the Jonah Hill role, but like actually the guy, Peter DaCosta. And apparently they canceled that movie because Steven Soderbergh's script was going to be way too baseball heavy, like in terms of like, just like almost like a documentary. Oh, really? Where it'd be like an abundance of baseball details, and like someone like me who hates baseball would be like, "All right, fuck this movie. <laughs> like, I don't need to go over like the, um, you know, line by line." Go I don't... over batting. Do we need to go over batting averages for you, Tommy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, and like, or on base percentage, which is a pretty like straightforward statistic. Well, um, yeah, that that, that so... was fine, but apparently, like the Steve Soberg version just has to be bogged down details, and like instead of having Chris Pat as uh, Scott Hatterberg. It would have been like actually Scott Hatterberg playing himself, and it's just like, oh, woof. and then like uh, David Justice playing himself too. So it's just like I think the version we got was a lot better. Oh, this yeah. was accessible to someone that does not like baseball at all. <laughs> what about Spike Jones playing fucking uh, what's it called? Um, Brad Pitt's uh, wife's fucking new husband. Oh yeah, anyone else knows that? He was good. He was good. Was uh, a yeah. little cameo in there. That's a nice scene. That scene is so awkward. It's just. And not in like it's an so uncomfortable painful. way. It's just like this is how uncomfortable and awkward this would be if you had to wait to pick up your daughter at your ex-wife's husband's house now, and the guy it's doesn't play baseball. It would be like having a conversation with Tommy, like uh, <laughs> Giambini, Giambi, Giambi. Oh uh, yeah, Giambino, Giambino, Giambino. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We you lost Giambino. Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't want to be having this conversation with you at all. Uh, And for Mike, this is your third or fourth time seeing it. What what kind of impact did it have on you? Any details that stuck out to you? uh, I mean, I you know one of the things that what what I think you get from like what Steve and Tommy were both saying is that 
even if you are a baseball fan or somebody that doesn't care about it at all, it's it's I think it's a broadly interesting movie because it it really goes beyond it it go kind of goes beyond sport in a lot of ways. It's and it doesn't go too heavy into the 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 metrics part of the game in a lot of ways. It's it really focuses, I think, on the care on a character drama with yeah. Brad Pitt and his not only his struggles in like formulating this baseball team and implementing the new philosophy, um, but kind of his struggles as like a, as a person and a character with his, you know, with his kind of his fraught relationship and also his, his own personal choices and the regret of if he did the right, the right thing. And I, I think that that's something that a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but people can relate to that as a, as a story more than just baseball itself. And I'm, I don't consider myself like a big baseball fan. And so it doesn't focus too much on just baseball action and the sport component of it. So I think a lot of people can kind of get into it, regardless of how, how you feel about baseball in general. Well, and, and that's, so that, that's where I would say it appealed to me. Well, and that's interesting because it's, it's one of those things that I think it, and I, I actually, I think this is a great movie, but some of the criticisms that have been laid about it is that uh, this movie doesn't like complete the complete the com- full picture, like the the uh, the sabermetrics, the advanced analytics, the on base percentage that have been brought in by their prior GM Sandy Alderson in like the late '80s. Like he started using these statistics and like that on base percentage. So this wasn't just like some vast shift, and like. Peter Brand, Jonah Hill's character, he started in Cleveland, but he had been at Oakland for a couple of well, years. Well, P- Peter Brand doesn't exist as a character. Oh, I know, he's, but he's based he's off. He's a composite. Of he's yeah, he's uh, a composite, yeah. and and I, it makes sense because I think in the way that you need to structure the story, because sabermetrics are boring, and it's like and like all the nerds are like pushing for it, and they wonder why yeah. people don't like general fans don't want to watch baseball anymore. It's like oh, because you're talking like, uh, you just need to have a degree in statistics to understand the game, but like. It just makes it better, and it's like okay, probably not. Um, <laughs> Apparently, uh, Peter DeCosta uh, was originally going to be played by what's uh, like I said, Dimitri Martin, and then uh, once like Jonah Hill was cast, um, DeCosta or whatever said like, I don't want uh, this to be my character anymore. This doesn't look like me. This isn't me. He probably said like, I don't want fat ass Jonah Hill playing me in this fucking movie. <laughs> I miss fat Jonah. I miss fat Jonah Hill. But we. But the other thing that that. And this is the one that I think is a very valid criticism. It acts like the 2002 Oakland A's are the 2022-2023 Oakland A's who have liter- who literally had shed all of their their stars, all of their bones. Like Giambi was a great player, Damon was a good player, Isringhouse solid player. Um the 2002 Oakland A's had the AL Cy Young, so that means they won that was the best pitcher in the American League. And the American League MVP in Miguel Tejada. Neither of those players' names are mentioned at all throughout the entire movie, which I think is a very valid criticism of it. And it acts like um it acts like Hatterberg um and David Justice are really the two that like turn it around. Like Scott Scott Hatterberg was like the sixth or seventh best player on it. Now baseball is a team sport and it often does come down to those depth pieces that you have that contribute and i think in terms of a narrative and a story structure like you kind of need that and just focus on particular guys and like just doing it off the acquisitions to explain the concept behind moneyball makes a whole lot more sense 
it, yeah. is that why you think that they chose to like omit them from the script? Yes. That, do, do you do you you think that it's like it, it would make for a better story if we said, oh, we also didn't have the best pitcher and MVP in baseball at the time. It, it, it would, yeah, it would kind of like you know make it that much more <laughs> Cut- great. Cut the dramatic tension right there. I mean, yeah, like, you, there's uh, when watching this movie, it almost like you, you felt like they're like the bad news bears, where it's just like, oh, we're this rag, ragtag group of misfits that we all suck. <laughs> but yeah. in reality, it's they're like dancing they in the clubhouse when they're losing and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what, what a great scene right there. Just Brad Pitt just taking the bat, just destroying the fucking speaker. Well, that's the thing with this movie yeah. is it, it like it has so many great scenes that I just like for me, ultimately, as a movie fan and a big baseball fan, like the omissions of stuff doesn't really bother me too much at all. Like I, I'm, I know there's people who probably just more of baseball fans watching it being like, oh, well, you didn't really get the whole pieces. And for me, that that doesn't really bother me. Um you know, because like it's interesting, like the way it starts, like with the scouts, right? And like, like they're all a bunch of old dudes. Like, I love yeah. that scene where they're just like, he's got a good face, he's got a strong face, you know. He he, but he doesn't have yeah. a, he doesn't have a good looking girlfriend. Like, he doesn't pass the confidence test. My, like, this is how my, these guys yeah. scouted for my 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 favorite is that test of like the, the the girlfriend test. I feel like that guy used that philosophy for his whole life, where he's just like, is your girlfriend hot? Then you have confidence. That's it. Everything else <laughs> applies to anything else in life. Yeah, <laughs> and the, the interesting thing is there is a conversation in the book about that, but it was about they drafted a player. And they weren't sure he was going to sign because he had a girlfriend. So that's what the conversation ultimately revolved around. It wasn't really a confidence test, but I thought it made for a much funnier scene. And just showing, like, it was a great way to showcase, like, how old school baseball was kind of done for, like, basically 100 years. How they figured out how, what, who these guys were. Because it was basically off the eye test. Um Mm -hmm. And they yeah. did a good job with Billy Bean and explaining like his past in baseball and how he was one of those goods. It was a really great way of like getting you emotionally invested into Billy Bean's character and why he would want to make that change from like this eye test because he had been the kid at the table, promised the world, and it didn't come to fruition for him. Well, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it like kind of uh, stands to reason that we talk about what happened with like Billy Bean, so to speak. So he ended up turning down the um, uh, ended up turning down going to Stanford. Yeah. And then, then uh, ended up taking the money and going to play baseball. But what ended up happening was he really didn't become the star that he was a bad. He, he, he would be. He was a bad baseball player. <laughs> yeah. He, he was on the Mets, right? <laughs> he was on the Mets from yeah. 1984 to 1985. Talk about uh, not the. Oh, team. that sucks. Yeah, he missed like it. right before they won the championship, <laughs> the, the World Series, like on one of the most infamous baseball teams of all time. Like he just missed it yeah. right there. Um, and it, there's actually well, what that... funny line yeah. in there too, where they they like right when he comes up, they're like. You know, if I'm picking between him or Daryl Strawberry, I'm taking Billy Bean every day. And I'm like, oh, well, the announcer got that one wrong. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I I mean, I I think what's cool about it is that, um, you know, and he even says at the end, like, I made a decision based off of money before. I'm not doing it again. And then Jonah Hill says, you're not making this decision off money here. And I, I think that really kind of shows his growth just within the, uh, you know, league and like, you know, 
transitioning from being like, you know, the player's coach to an, or uh, the player's general manager to an organizational general manager, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That was the other thing they said wasn't accurate. Like Billy Bean doesn't walk around the clubhouse and like coach these guys on these statistics on what they should do. But again, these are for like dramatic impacts. I think most people like understand that. There is one person who was uh, very, very upset about their portrayal in this movie. And that was manager Art Howe, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, Art Howe is actually on board with the whole Moneyball thing. Uh, and But him and Billy Bean like kind of butt heads like off of it. And this is based off of Billy Bean's retelling of the story from the book Moneyball. And this is where they got the portrayal. But Art Howe like, has like a whole speech, but to like condense it. He was like, yeah, like nobody reached out to me. Nobody did anything like I felt like I was very unfairly portrayed. And if you ask the actual players from that team, they're like, I love Art Howe. Like he was he was a kind man, just genuinely like even keeled, like was not about the money at all. Like like that whole thing was added for dramatic effect. Art Howe also had another year on his contract. Um, yeah. So he was like, yeah, I would never walk through the halls of the clubhouse and be like, Billy, we need to talk about my contract. He's like, my agent would do that. I would have nothing to do with that at all. Yeah. Like, yeah, literally like having him sit players down being like, hey, you're uh, you're going to Philly now. I was just like, there's no way that this is actually how it goes down. This, this can't be. No. And and and, you know, art would be the one telling a guy who got cut or got traded or got sent down. That would be Art's job. That like yeah. Billy wouldn't do that. But again, you're focusing on Billy yeah. Bean's perspective on things. You need him to be the one doing it yeah. for the movie. And I think they need to yeah. make him. They they had to make him appear like back against the wall, where he's getting eviscerated by the media. He's at odds with the coach, the players, the scouting staff. I think it builds to the appeal of of what he's doing and like the the gravitas of he's trying to innovate with this with this new philosophy change and she's got to battle everybody regardless of whether that actually happened you know in reality yeah i I feel like in a movie like this you need to take some dramatic license i mean this movie would have been boring as hell if it was just like phone calls to the agent where the agent just like tells the player like hey you got traded it's just some random joe schmo like nobody actor (laughs) like we need to see brad pitt himself like hey you've been traded good luck (laughs) <laughs> and I, I like the yeah. trade montage of like Jonah Hill in the beginning of the movie not understanding like how to cut a player and when he does it to a player he's like I'm sorry Jonah Hill just gave a great performance here also yeah. also in this movie just re-watching it last night so many scenes that are just like it's, like this is a great scenes movie it's a great YouTube clips movie of just like watching clips of it on YouTube like going back into it because like so many of them hit um I really love like that that scene where it's uh that or the trade deadline where they're going for Ricardo Rincon, the relief pitcher, and he's on the phone. He's like, "Oh, I love that!" And he's like, great "Hangs moment. up." He's like, "Once you get the answer you want, hang up." Yeah, like <laughs> a good so sales like, tactic. So, so the best is like you know it, it, it's a tr- trade deadline. He, he's calling like three or four separate managers at a time, and then he's just telling. He's like, first person that calls me back is getting the deal." So. Like, think about it. It reminded me of like it reminded me like Wolf of Wall Street type energy of just like very manic, high, high intensity energy right there. It was like, 
And I love that they finally showed uh, the secretary at the end because in the beginning of the movie, it was just like you just hear her voice be like, online too, this guy, this guy. And then they show her at one point, just like a quick shot of her just smirking. <laughs> That's yeah, that was great too. So, for, for you guys, what are some of the other highlight standout scenes? Mike, like, what's, what's a scene that just kind of stood out to you as just a, a great scene? Like, I, I could watch this over and over again. The ones you mentioned are are fantastic. I I also like the, the the scene where, and this is definitely done for dramatic effect, where Billy Bean calls uh, Jonah Hill character like in the middle of the night, and he's <laughs> drinking, and he he asks him to level with him, like ask him where where would you take me in the draft, and instead of giving him like the yes man answer of where he actually was drafted, he knows exactly where he was drafted and where he would have actually taken him. Um, it's it's a cool moment because it it just shows like he's he's willing to give him the truth that in the res- I think in some respects he felt he was denied for so long and and to actually just level with him so I think that's that's a great moment right there and then it's revealed like oh I bought this analyst from the Cleveland Indians and I don't think that's a thing that actually happens but it's a I think it's a cool scene it's a it's a great I, I, one. Great scene. It's, it's great... Condensing, building up that department into one person and compartmentalizing it. Like, it makes sense. We don't need five guys in there. We, we could have had the building the team montage like an Oppenheimer where it's just like, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy. But that would have been like too much. I, and like the movie makes it seem like Brad Pitt, uh, Billy Bean does that like every night to like Jonah Hill. Just calls him drunk as fuck. He's like, where do you take me? Like, tell me again. <laughs> Wait, what's, your, what's your answer this time? Come on. Like, I wasn't that bad, was I? <laughs> Yeah. Are you sure ninth round? Are you sure about that ninth round? <laughs> come on, come on. I was more than ninth uh, round, wasn't I? <laughs> so I think another so, good Steve, what what's a scene for you that stood out first watch? So one thing what one thing that I think is worth mentioning is um there's um the scene where he's in the guitar store with his daughter and uh the daughter's like afraid to sing in front of him and then she sings uh that one song, which I think the actress that sang it knocked it out of the park it's a very heartwarming sort of scene and it's a good song but um as it turns out i think that um that's one of those things that like kind of creates like sort of a loophole in the story because that song was apparently written in 2003 and this movie is set in 2002 All right. so this is one of those like really small loopholes where if you're a giant nerd like i am and i was like this song <laughs> hasn't come out yet <laughs> like it's a, it's like one of those like you know uh, marty from back to the future essentially writing johnny be good right zero, like, zero out of five <laughs> this movie's trash garbage <laughs> yeah, no, not all it was good to all. the final to the credits <laughs> yeah just saying like, guys Steve hears Not that song. He's like, "Fuck this movie. Fuck this bullshit." <laughs> I don't even know what happens at the end. I shut it off for like immediately after. So. <laughs> <laughs> Once you heard that song, you're like, "I can't watch this bullshit." No, Hollywood, no dramatic this, fake I, news. <laughs> clearly not historically accurate. This is bullshit. <laughs> I, I think that the performance of, uh, of his daughter was really good. I mean, like they didn't so focus on it a ton, but just enough to like really show like you know the guy's like heart and like his family life right there. It just brings a little yeah. bit more, a more of emotional throw for someone that doesn't like baseball. That's what hit a lot in this movie. Yeah. It's just like the family Definitely. scenes or like seeing Chris Pratt's family right when uh, he's about to get like signed on to the Oakland A's. Of just how they focus on him a little bit more. And, and how it's, it's hinged like he's not getting any offers. Like nobody wants to sign this guy. Like the wife's sitting at the tables and, and it, it's 
and I love that they don't even say it too, but it's she's very clearly like looking at bills like it's it's meant to be that kind of dynamic. Like how the hell yeah. are you gonna make money if he's not playing baseball anymore? Mm-hmm. Um right. That you know, just like it just had that energy in the room before they walked in, um, which was great. And yeah, like the stuff with the daughter and like her being worried about his job being like, I go on the internet, I, I see things. He's like, Don't go on the internet. And uh, that's great advice for everybody. Don't go on the internet. Yeah. It's a it's a bad place. Yeah. It's all words for us to live by. Yeah, don't, don't go on the internet. Don't 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 read. Don't don't listen yeah. to people. Yeah, no, <laughs> my daughter. And the, the the emotional through line with the daughter, you know, it, it's like not even five minutes of the movie if that but it's just enough to show you you know what he what motivates him what what gets him going um and then there was that the great scene we mentioned before with robin wright and uh spike jones in there as the ex-husband like it just showed that dynamic of like the only thing he really has outside of this team is his daughter that's what matters most to him definitely um no another another scene i like in it um it's it's a short one is when uh billy bean goes to talk to david justice and he's at that point most of the team's basically kind of on board with the new philosophy but uh david's kind of a he's a little bit of a holdout of getting fully on board and he's just taking batting practice and it's the two of them leveling with each other and there's there's a moment where he says you know you're paying me like eight million dollars or whatever it is uh, to play for you and he's like no you got that wrong i'm paying i'm paying you a million dollars the yankees are paying you seven million dollars to play against them uh just i think it's i think it's a good moment where he's really kind of trying to kind of work the different angles to get people really on board with the with the philosophy yeah it, yeah. it condensed basically the like what they did in the in the spring training and before the season started because david just said yeah that that never happened and i was like yeah man they condensed it into two minutes instead of spending two hours of all the conversations you and billy (laughs) bean actually had beforehand of you guys you know coming together and having that conversation um so i think they did a really good job of that and like just condensing that up like especially like with the trades and stuff like it was all it's all just like these a lot of these things happened in different times but they just put them into one scene together because we don't need five scenes of it like jumping around and confusing the audience you can just you can streamline it and put it through to make a more exciting story and have a good pace like this movie has excellent pace to it Um, yes and guess what guess what david justice aaron sorkin's a good screenwriter (laughs) he knows what to do (laughs) Yeah, Sorkin. With- That's why I think it's so it's so easy to pick up and watch because it's so tightly made, and that's mm-hmm. probably why it's also such like a great like YouTube clip movie as well because it's all these great sequences that are like they come together really well. Um, I, I, I yeah, I love the movie in the beginning when like they go to like the scouting reports over and over again, and then the whole scouting team. And I kind of wish that they kept it going on that because those scenes were like almost like an interesting war room boardroom right there, where like they're going over. And I love the uh one scene where like he's talking about who we should target free agency, and they're all like, "You're out of your fucking mind! What's going on here? Have you lost a thing?" And then they have the one elderly dude that's like, "He's our boss." We should listen to him. He has the final say. No matter what you guys say, we just give him opinions. Everyone else is like, oh, well, fuck you, Billy Bean. <laughs> and I love when he's just like, oh, I'm pointing at Pete. Yeah. Uh, it's a, his on-base <laughs> percentage is 368. Yeah. 
And that's why we're getting them. We're getting the. <laughs> They're all looking at Jonah Hill like who's this fucking nerd in the yeah, who, who? Why is this nerd in this room here? Um, <laughs> who's this guy? Does he need to be here? And he's like, yes, he does actually. <laughs> so this was directed by Bennett Miller, who uh, you know has a background in documentary filmmaking, and I definitely feel like you could feel that in the style of this movie, that it's got a little bit of that like documentary feel to it like especially when they're doing the compiling and like showing statistics and players like it it's all very visually interesting when you're just looking at a bunch of numbers on a spreadsheet um, oh yeah definitely like the intercepts of like you know the media what they're saying at the time that really helped like you know build context for this movie i feel like this was a documentary uh style that wasn't overbearing uh like the steven soderbergh version sounded like yeah so. no, and it's not overbearing and it's like subtly done but it, it gives it that like lens of authenticity as well onto it that i think you know helps validify the story even though it's not 100 percent accurate it gives it for an audience member it gives you that that trusting feel to it by interjecting the real clips of what happened and the and what you know what was hollywoodized if you will um for a better thing i think quickly here we can talk about and maybe this is just for steve and i steve <laughs> how do you like how do you like advanced analytics in baseball i definitely think that um it helps but there is a lot you can fall into a rabbit hole with them you ever, like, I, I believe it was Yogi Berra that said, like, you know, there's, like, 90% of all baseball is, like, skill, or the other 50% is luck. And, you know, I don't know if you're a math, math magician like I am, but uh, he said 90 <laughs> and 50% on purpose. That That's not just me fudging numbers here. Um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, like, you advanced to face. I, I'm baseball is very very driven and i mean the perfect example is like when they almost blew that 11 to nothing lead right like i mean like that's a tremendous lead in any fucking baseball game you know what i mean and like how much are advanced analytics going to help you out when a team is going to be like you know scoring like 11 runs in a half an inning just because they're going on a tear and they have that momentum behind them you know what i mean so i i think it's important to kind of read into but I don't think it should be a be-all, end-all for any general manager or any team for that matter. So Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, I think my other tangent to add on to it would be that advanced analytics does not prioritize batting average. It reduces its importance. And I disagree with that because from a fan's perspective, and I believe the strength of baseball always has and always will be, balls hit into the field of play. The game is actually exciting when things are going on, but it gets the perception of boring when it's a bunch of walks. Like people don't want to watch guys get yeah. walked. Like that's just not what people want to do. And baseball has struggled with attendance issues, pace of play, because now they're focused on these relievers using these analytics that throw really hard, but yeah. can't throw a strike to save their life. Um, yeah. And I think that that's like, it's, antithet it's just not what the sport is about it's like it's antithesis and i think it you can build a team doing that and i think teams should be using these like i you'd be dumb not to be using these statistics i just think from a fan perspective yeah. and from like just a general fan watching the game like me taking tommy to a baseball game he wants <laughs> to watch hits he wants to see a home yeah. run 
he does well, not the, he does not appeal- want to see a bunch of guys walking the bases and be like tim this is what you spend your time watching are you out of your mind yeah baseball's a sport for me that i can never watch like on tv but like you know when you get to a ballpark it's different because it's like oh i can get drunk outside fuck yeah that's the main appeal of the ballpark but there the is the, yeah <laughs> but like to that point tommy like there's a lot of downtime in baseball and that's the time where you would be getting drunk and doing yeah. or doing other things you know what i mean whereas like being fucking like you know timmy over here would be like you know every single three two count where the guy's throwing like a, or like hitting another foul tip we're sitting there like shaking our heads going calm the fuck on like get on base or don't like you know what i mean and yeah he's just sitting in the corner being like yeah you know like it's either gonna get on or he's not like, yeah like whatever happens yeah there's a lot of time like you know it's those moments that really kind of keep you invested you know well, the thing with Moneyball, like this legacy of like, you know, the Billy Bean stuff or anything is that this is now bled into other sports like in basketball. That's why we see so many more teams taking three point three pointers over and over and over again. It's bled into everything. I, I wouldn't be shocked about football, too. It's, it's blended like, into football. Uh, Paul Podesta, after his stint in the Oakland A's, went to the New York Mets, uh, did not do a great job there. Actually, he was involved in the 2015 team, but. He then went on to the Cleveland Browns in 2016. And if you know anything about the 2016 to 2017 Cleveland Browns, they won one game. They won one game in two seasons, uh, including an 0-16 season. So uh, it did not, at that point in time, work for the Cleveland Browns. But uh, they have a better team now than they they did at that time. Uh, But I think it's time now. Do you remember the first game they won? It was against the Jets. You remember that? Yeah, it was against the. Oh, Jets. Yeah, do you, 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 do you remember how happy Browns fans were? Yeah, they they literally Bud Light had a promotion of like free beer for the city when they finally won a game. Dude, you think that they, they finally won the opened Super Bowl? the fridge? It was hysterical. It it was hysterical. Oh, I was just like, what is going on in Cleveland? Oh, no, was... the Browns won a game. And it was perfect because it was against the Jets, and that's just like the end. That's like that's how you just so describe that team in one sentence: is losing to yeah. the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. If there was ever two teams that had the worst luck ever. It's those two. I am a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. All right, <laughs> boys. Who's the star of this movie? Who's who gives the best performance? Mike, we'll kick it over to you. Who do you who do you feel uh, carried this movie? I mean, you got. I think you got to say Pitt since he's in ninety nine percent of the scenes, and I think you could also argue that you know Jonah Hill's character he does like he does a great job too. But it's really he's there so Brad Pitt can basically interface with somebody for the entire time since all these conversations are and debates are going on in in his own head. Um, I, I think I don't know who else you could cast in that role as well. Um, there, I'm sure there's some other people that could do it, but it, it, it feels like the role's like made for him in a way. He just he just does it with so much charisma and swagger and like embattled embattled, if you will. Yeah. So he's, I, he's I, the- I, I got to go with him. Yeah, um, I'm gonna echo your sentiments right there. I think Brad Pitt, obviously. I don't think there's a single scene in this movie that does not have Pitt. Um, no, it's, it's his story. It's his story, and it's his yeah, perspective yeah. on the movie. 
but um, but even even fa- factor that out. I mean, obviously there's sometimes where that's the case, but there's someone else that wants the movie. This isn't the case. I mean, it's a charming performance. He makes all like the mumbo jumbo, like you know, uh, acceptable and stuff like that. If this was a movie that was like Jonah Hill's character as a lead, it would have been more analytics heavy and more more boring. But essentially, we have a guy who just carries us from the scene to scene with a very charming, great performance right here. So uh, I'm going Pitt, obviously. Yeah. No, I got to go with Pitt too. Um, but. It is important to note that I, I think about the trajectory of Jonah Hill's career when this movie came out. Yeah. He yeah. really like, you know, Superbad was only four years, like, you know, removed from this movie. And I think it was really Jonah Hill trying to, like, get his feet wet with the dramatic role and really become a serious actor. So I, I, mm-hmm. I think it needs to be mentioned that, like, he did a oh, good yeah. job in this yeah, otherwise this- sort of serious role where he did have the funny anecdotes here and there this is definitely more of like his transition away from comedy and like into more of a serious actor you know oh definitely yeah like I, it needs to be said that and that you kind of jump my point there because it is brad pitt it's very obviously brad pitt's the performance but for jonah hill this was the role that went that everybody went oh he can actually act it's not just like comedy like he, he he can actually like be in a serious movie and you can take him seriously and it changed that perspe- perspective and then led to him getting into wolf of wall street uh this movie definitely had an impact on that casting decision i would imagine for martin scorsese um Martin. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, the difference is the Wolf of Wall Street role, you can see more for Jonah Hill, because that's a very comedic performance. But like, Jonah Hill in this one is not funny. I mean, he doesn't really make you laugh. It's other characters just like telling him, like, hey, man, like the Brad Pitt snap scene. But that's not because Jonah Hill's being like funny or wacky or like his typical like comedic persona. This is very restrained, very reserved for him, which is uneasy, but like, he makes it work. Absolutely. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? All right, gentlemen, I think this sound drop is almost uh, weird to play uh, Muppet time. Would Moneyball work as a Muppet adaptation? Tommy, what do you think? Uh, I think no, but I think if you were to do it, it would just be Brad Pitt would be the same, but everyone else would be Muppets, and he'd be talking to these players. They're all Muppets. It's like, you guys think it's fun while losing while they're doing like some Muppet dance or like Mama when I was on the speakers or something like that? <laughs> Um, yeah. we just have jo- Jonah Hill played by uh, who's like the big fucking Muppet? Um, I know who you're talking about, Snuffleupagus. You mean Big Bird? <laughs> <laughs> Jonah Hill's just played by Big Bird. <laughs> no, that's not the guy, the fucking monster dude. I forget what his name is. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Snuffleupagus? I can't off the hand. No, that's that's like, uh, no, it's it's I, I know who you're talking about, Tommy. I can't remember his name off my hand right now. But uh, Sweetums, Sweetums, <laughs> Mike, Steve, would you guys like to uh, would you guys like to see a Muppet adaptation of Moneyball? I'm good on that, but um, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> straight up now. If you, you if you want to make one, go for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think I really need it per se. I, I think if they did do it, the uh, the guys in the balcony balcony they would be do a good job playing like the old uh the old uh, scouting team if you will with um, the... yeah not often <laughs> his girlfriend is ugly <laughs> Luckily, he has a girlfriend you haven't had one in seven years <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um i, I like, like to see all that. If, 
I like to see the version of Brad Pitt as uh, Kermit, and just instead he's just like he's doing the Kermit freak out. You can take his funny right there, and now. But other than that, no, this movie would not work as a Muppet adaptation. <laughs> no, this movie yeah. would not work as a Muppet adaptation. It's a little too serious and it's a little too baseball-y for, for the Muppets, I think. Uh, review time, guys. Give me your score out of five. Uh, Tommy, I'm going to start with you here. Yeah, so, you know, I'm not a baseball guy whatsoever. Um, you know, usually I avoid it, um, to be honest. But this movie, honestly, like... Uh, brought over me in a way uh, through his emotion, through his script, and through his performances right here. That even as a baseball fan, uh, not as a baseball fan, I still like this movie. That was really great performances. I'm gonna go four out of five. This feels like a rewatchable. This feels like a great rainy day movie, and um, I'm very glad I watched it. So, Mike, I give this uh, a four point five out of five. I, I think it's got a lot of depth to it. I think it's just a tremendously well made movie. Um, I think it's got a small cast, but of the cast, I think everybody does a really fantastic job. And I think the screenwriting in it is really fantastic. Um, I, I find it really, really rewatchable, too. So um, for that reason, four four point five out of 5 for me. Steve? Yeah, I would uh, definitely give it a 4 out of 5. I mean, it's amazing for its time. has a rewatchability. Gives you a, uh, like you know a very clear clear scope into like you know the baseball like general managing side of the business, and uh, it had an interesting and compelling story as well that gave you that little snapshot of history. So um, I definitely think it's a great movie, and uh, you know definitely uh, slept on it for way too long. I'm surprised that it took me this long to see it. So. <laughs> Yep, I I'm with I'm gonna echo the sentiments of Tommy and Steve here. I'm gonna also go four to five. It's a total rewatchable movie. Um, has that emotional core to get you invested into it. Just a lot of like comp- like scenes that if you flip this on on TNT, and it's in the middle of the 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 scouting scene, it's like, well, I'm watching this. Like I don't have a choice. It, it's one of those movies. Yeah, just really great performances. Um. Brad Pitt, it's an all-time Brad Pitt performance, uh, and it's a great way of showing the transition of baseball from the 20th century into the 21st century. So four out of five for me. Uh, Mike and Steve, thank you guys for hopping on the podcast. A lot of fun having you both on. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Happy to, have, happy to be on. Thanks for having us on. Really appreciate it. It's been a great time. Tommy, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Well, as upstairs Steve says, you can't text and drive, but you sure can podcast and drive. <laughs> you goddamn right. And now I'm in Boston. Isn't that amazing? Did you make your destination? Normally, I'm, I'm, I'm ten minutes away. You know, most people listen to podcasts while they drive. Bitch, I make podcasts while I drive because that's what separates me from the rest of them. I, I love if we just hear you again, like an accident right now. Right? I forgot to say that. Like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tommy has to make Steve, an un- Steve, are you okay? To- Tommy has to make an unfortunate post. Yeah, we cannot post our episode of Moneyball. <laughs> upstairs, upstairs Steve tragically passed away while podcasting. <laughs> Due to carelessness on our guest's part, we are now we're we're now being sued for uh, you know replacements of a new dog. We'll post our Moneyball episode on LiveLeak instead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
We got the fucking ASPCA fucking banging on our door. Hey, we need restitution here. <laughs> your, your union, Steve? Who? What's that? I said your union. Um, Me personally? No, I am not. No, I meant, I meant in the podcast. It was a joke. Oh, oh, um, I don't know. You tell me, man. It's your podcast. <laughs> no, definitely not. And I assume there is no podcast union whatsoever. Um, um, might might be the time to start one. I don't know. Might be the time. <laughs> might be the time with the screen actors and the writers. We'll we'll podcast well, our we podcast, the podcast union band together. <laughs> get health insurance. Uh, the Pod Actors Guild, the PAG. PAG. I like it. I like it. Um, but anyways uh, thank you guys so much for listening you can uh, follow us on social media at seenitpod that's on uh, Instagram Twitter um, which is X now I guess and then threads uh, and why do you still plug threads Tommy because I still post on threads occasionally (laughs) Um, what about what what about what about Mike Beck you got it you got any social media plugs that you want to uh, throw in there (laughs) (laughs) for me it just Follow me on my Instagram if you were. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say. Took the words right out of my mouth. That would be big underscore mooch 821. Drop the 420. You know, blaze it. What do you got? I I love that you're cutting out right here while you're Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. (laughs) Am I cutting out? Cutting out right as you drop your Instagram handle. Ah, uh, well, it's big underscore mooch eight two one. Everybody already knows it because they know that I'm the most valued member on this podcast. What do you hear? What do you say? What do you got here, Mike Beck? Where, where, where do you Instagram uh, threads? What do you got? MJ Beck ninety two. Drop All me right, a follow, and, and, I guess. Any underscores? Is it is it M underscore? No underscores. I, I got on. I got on at a time that I didn't have to resort to underscores. Oh wow! Shots fired. Call, calling Shots, you out. Shots fired. I love it. I love it. Wow. Uh, yeah, wow. leave us a five star review. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And next month is spooky season. We're kicking it off with Saw. Timmy's never seen it, and I can't wait. To I see haven't it. seen any of these movies, so it's it's it's, it's top. He's top never movie. seen Saw. <laughs> you see that? Have, have you, you saw it? Saw? <laughs> I haven't saw have it. Never seen <laughs> saw? Yeah, I, I've seen Saw. That's gonna be a, one of those misconceptions you're gonna say a lot. <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening appreciate it we will see you next week saw you next oh, week waka, waka. <laughs> <laughs>